Welcome to the first episode of Dadhood. We just wrapped up with our first guest, Taha, where we talked about a number of things. Uh, we talked about how he had a lockdown baby and how it's been going. We talked about how he actually attended Eton, the very famous boarding school. And we talked about what types of mindsets should be instilled within our children to help them get through the barriers in life. Um, so please watch the rest of the episode. Alright, Assalamu alaikum Taha, uh, even though we've already said Assalamu alaikum, but... Uh, <laughs> How's everything going? Yeah, alhamdulillah, everything's good bro. How good, about good, yourself? Good. All good, all good. Okay, look, first of all, you don't know what really is coming. You just agreed like a couple of days ago to come on to be the first guest onto the podcast. Uh, but I think we need to start off first of all with a congratulations and a mabrook. Uh, for your third baby that has just come along a week old now? Yeah, alhamdulillah, eight days, alhamdulillah, eight, nine mashallah, days. Mashallah, mashallah, mashallah. Let's go straight into that, bro. It's just fresh. How does it feel having <laughs> a newborn baby in the house, man? Uh, subhanallah, it's, um, it's interesting. I think for me, it takes a bit of time for everything to sink in properly. So I think I'm still in that stage where I've not really internalized that, okay, we've got another baby to look after, another kid to look after. Yeah. And alhamdulillah, it's, it's, having gone through it um, a couple of times, it's this early stage, the first couple of months, a few months, if they're sleeping okay, um, if they don't have major upsets in the stomach and teeth, it's actually straightforward. They sleep a lot um, for the dad bit of nappy change oh, quite a bit of nappy changing a bit quite a bit <laughs> but broadly yeah broadly it's all right alhamdulillah um so do you feel not... do you feel like because uh it's your third one you like you know the process you're going straight into it or do you feel like each baby is like a little bit different uh no i think it's um but when we were in the run-up to um this baby coming along I was thinking that I've forgotten everything, man. I've forgotten all the tips, the tricks, because <laughs> uh, we had a few uh, four-year gap. Um, so I think if you have them quite close together, you know, it's probably pretty straightforward. Um, but alhamdulillah, I was just thinking, like, it's all going to come back. Bicycle analogy. Let's, uh, it'll, it'll all just come back yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah. So alhamdulillah, <laughs> it's, it's all going fine, and uh, it's all coming back quite easily, I think. Alhamdulillah, that's good. And so now it's obviously past the seventh day, meaning yeah. that um, aqiqa and shaving yeah, the head and naming the baby, all that's done. Yeah, alhamdulillah. We did everything yesterday. Um, we did, did the shaving myself um, with my wife. That took, it took a good hour. Yeah, I remember when I did it. It 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 just takes. You think it's like so straightforward. Like you get the 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 razor and you just like take it all off and it'll be fine. And but you're just so careful. Like I was really scared when I was doing it. Yeah, yeah. So um, we we did the aqiqa. We did it abroad. Um, and the the hair. And the naming, so it's interesting because the naming, I think I, I probably missed the sunnah on this one previously. Okay. Um, it's, it's, it's quite a flexible issue. I did a bit of research on it. It's quite flexible. Um, but it does appear um, for to name on the seventh day uh, to be to be must have to be the best uh, of the options, although it's flexible. Yeah. Um, but I took on quite a bit of stress because family members <laughs> is like, how's mom? How's baby? What's the name? Yeah, yeah, like, oh, yeah. Oh no, yeah. no, it's not named, not named. So, uh, 
I had to deflect quite a lot <laughs> for seven days. But did you, did you and your wife already have um, an understanding of what the name was going to be? You'd already decided? Yeah, or... pretty much. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. There was um, a short list and we yeah. were yeah, pretty clear what we were going to go with. Um, there yeah. were about two left in the end. Alhamdulillah, yeah. Alhamdulillah. Do you know, that's interesting because when it comes to uh, baby names, there was, there was loads of debate in my family because oh, yeah. I've got... I've got um, one side of, like my wife's side of family are mainly non-Muslim. Well, they're all non-Muslim to be honest, she's only Muslim. And then we've got my side of the family, who's Muslim, they're Pakistani, other side's English. Yeah. And so there was this like, you know, trying to please both cultures yeah. when it comes to yeah. the names. Obviously we put the Dean first and we make sure that the name is a good name and it's something rooted in our tradition. Uh, but at the same time, you know, sometimes certain pronunciations, you want to make it easier for yeah, people. And all this kind of stuff. So was was there a lot of debate? Did did you guys like? Because I know some families, like even myself, my my name I think was was decided by my granddad. So it's like do, 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 you know I don't know. In some families, you kind of like give the responsibility to somebody outside of the husband and the wife to kind of settle any disputes. But what did you guys do? Um, alhamdulillah. So we, my wife and I, had came for all of the kids. We had like a short list. Um, that we narrowed it down to, which is quite good. Um, we didn't take that approach at all. Of, <laughs> I think what what our well, my approach at least was. Um, to try and please my parents and family members, just to, yeah. when they proposed names that I was totally not interested in, I'd kind of be like, yeah, I'll, I'll take that into, I'll consider, we'll consider that. <laughs> add it to the list. <laughs> we'll add it to the list to the discussions. Um. And to all of them, my dad was quite interested in a couple of names the first time round and the third time round. Um, he was pretty, pretty chilled the second time because um, Mariam, it happens to be his mother's name as well. So he, he didn't have too much um, other views that time round. But the first and third, he, he's, he quite likes, so my, my uh, name's Taha, my brother's Talha. So he yeah. quite likes to start the start with a T. Okay. So he's okay. like, let's get some more T's in there. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, no. Um, so yeah, but alhamdulillah, they're all. Does his name begin with the T? No, no. So we don't know where this is coming from. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think he's probably he's like the ring of it for the past 20, 30 years. Okay, subhanallah, subhanallah. Uh, now that's that's amazing, man. So obviously this is a. A lockdown baby as they call it right or covid yeah, baby yeah. And, yeah, and even yeah, for yeah, myself my daughter was born in in june uh, last sure year so she was right in the middle of everything as well uh, i know that it was a very different process for me but 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 for you how did you find the whole the pregnancy with the lockdown with the restrictions on appointments and all these kind of things yeah alhamdulillah to be honest bro it's um the I, f- I found that the lockdown for the really young kids, so our kids are, uh, they would have, they were five, four, and, and obviously a pregnancy, and would have been like four and three. Um, they were largely kind of unaffected. They had obviously absence from school for the various, when all schools were shut down, um, but they were yeah. going to school. Um, they, they didn't have obviously any exams to worry about. So it was broadly fine for the older two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for, for during the pregnancy, alhamdulillah, because, you know, limit no complications or no, no major issues, we didn't have any additional appointments to go to, alhamdulillah. Um, it was a bit, 
um, the the most annoying or frustrating thing was, essentially, the dad um, is is uninvited to basically all appointments. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I remember the first time I went in, um, everyone was looking at me like. Uh, what's this guy doing here? I mean, that's that's what that's the vibes I was getting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I didn't really, I didn't really appreciate. I know or know at the first t- time that I wasn't really supposed to be there. Um, but alhamdulillah, in that scenario, in that one, just kept sort of sat in the waiting room. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the other time I can remember, there's a there's like a very nice park near um that okay. hospital. Um. So I had the kids and uh, we just kind of uh, relaxed and chilled out there. Nice, nice, um, nice. So that was the main, yeah, that was the main difference, which, yeah, obviously it's understandable. It's a bit of a shame though, alhamdulillah, because my wife's quite relaxed, it's not so much of a, a problem. Okay, so on one of the instances, we went in there and there's a lady who's very anxious, you know, um, about perhaps first child or perhaps complications. And for her to uh, go through it on her own, that's, that's yeah. quite challenging. That's quite difficult. Subhanallah, subhanallah. Yeah, I mean, I think... I think the, the, the benefits outweighed any of the negatives for me yeah. because um, the fact that we were, I mean, I'm guessing for you, you're working from home as well during this time. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. So during the last stages of pregnancy, working from home, it, it was like really, like I was able to help out a lot and, 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 and yeah. my wife found it very, very helpful for her. And uh, although I wasn't able to come to all the appointments and, and things like that, um, I think just being able to take care of her outside of that was more important yeah. for her. Um, so, so alhamdulillah, I think there was a lot more, a lot more benefit to that than, yeah, than the negatives. That's good. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. So how how does it now? Like I I I, I, I for me I personally want to understand this because now I've got two right, yeah. and who knows when the third one is gonna come along. So like, how did you and your wife prepare yourself for that transition? And what was what was going through your mind? What were you like? Were you expecting for things to go right, to go wrong? Like, what was going on there? Preparing um, to be outnumbered, I think, is the, <laughs> <laughs> is, is, is the, the situation. So you can, um, she can hold one baby, you can hold one baby. <laughs> what, what do you do with the third one? <laughs> yeah, I think it's quite a funny... Um, we joked about it more than anything, the psychological impact of, of being outnumbered. Um, so... You could usually have, you know, mum looks after perhaps the younger baby, dad looks after the older child or, or whatever it is. And now you've got to get, you've got to use both hands to deal with two kids, at least one of you does anyway. Um, <laughs> alhamdulillah, no, I don't think we, I don't know, my approach has been a bit, um, I've been very laid back. Okay. So I, I thought, you know, I can I can really overthink, I can really think a lot about um, the preparation and, and all of that. But knowing myself, I thought, I kind of predicted that I'm probably going to get myself more worked up yeah, um, yeah. Or, or anxious, as opposed to me knowing that, alhamdulillah, we've, it's, um, uh, we've managed to do it a couple of times before, um, everything went straight forward. So I basically just... It's, it's quite funny, like a psychological device. I just deflected it. I deflected it. Right. Um, in, the, in the knowledge that, inshallah, everything will go smoothly. 
um, once the baby comes along. Um, so yeah, alhamdulillah, that, that was quite effective. Um, so that, that worked the, out for you? You, you didn't feel like it had a, a backlash <laughs> afterwards? No, that's worked out because we, we, got, re- we got prepared. So it's not to say, yeah. you know, didn't prepare. Okay. Um, uh, the kind of the physical things that you need, uh, mm. the, the clothes and everything that you need. So you had all of that ready. It was more, um, yeah, th- actually thinking about, you know, how difficult is this going to be? How are we going to cope? Those sorts of questions, I think they'll probably just drive more anxiety than they will be useful. Yeah. Um, and yeah, alhamdulillah. So, um, and then I'm, I've kind of been thinking of, um, I made a joke that uh, obviously one of our teachers um, in uh, mentioned that, you know, he bounces four kids on uh, on one knee. So <laughs> we've, we've got a way to go still. <laughs> Subhanallah, subhanallah. Wow. I mean, I don't know how I'll react to it, but hearing you, like how calm you are about it all, gives me a lot of confidence to to (laughs) be like, it will be okay, it will be okay, Shuaib. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. So look, bro, I wanted to to bring this up because we obviously talked about this earlier in um, uh, like a, a couple of, I don't know how long, when's the last time we saw each other? December? Uh, yeah, November, yeah, I think November, November, December, yeah. November, December, yeah. Uh, and we talked about like our, our childhood, right? And, yeah. uh, the experiences that we had growing up in school and, yeah, to, yeah. and how like they're totally different worlds, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and, and we were discussing like how that might have an impact on the way that we would raise our children as well. Yeah. So if you don't mind, do you want to just take us through a bit of a background in terms of what your schooling experience was like. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, then, and then we'll have a bit of a discussion and a back and forth and maybe yeah, I'll play sure. a bit of devil's advocate and, and push yeah. you a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so it's interesting. I, I do quite a lot of thinking about psychology and our people's mindsets. It's just one of my kind of interests. And I've got a bit of a theory just from looking around that how people grow up as individuals they tend to, I've observed, confirm how they've grown up, i.e. replicate what, how they grew up, uh, either yeah. because they liked it, or there's also going to the polar opposite. So uh, going to the other extreme, if they had an extreme environment, um, to go to the other flip side of it. Yeah. Um, if, if there was a, something that they, you know, they, they didn't have the opportunity to do any form of sports, They'll throw their kids into sports head, you know, head first. Um, so something like that. Um, so my schooling was, um, I did primary school in South Wales, um, small school, just one, one year group, um, per, per year, one class per year group. And then I went to my local comp, um, for two years, for year seven and year eight. Um, and then I obviously, moved to boarding school which was quite drastic uh i'd i'd lived in wales my whole life um i'd lived at home uh, up until that point and really it was an ambition of my dad um to um he thought it'd be a great opportunity for me to offer his kids to go away to uh, a boarding school and let benefit from the different environment and yeah. the different opportunities and stuff like that um, so I didn't have a clue what, what is this, what's this Eton thing? I, I didn't know what it was. Um, I, I was, I've always been quite academic from growing up. 
So yeah. I would say, you know, to my parents, just as a little kid, you know, this school stuff's too easy. Um, and so my dad was like, oh, if, if it's too easy, why don't you try out for these exams and stuff? And I was like, yeah, all right, okay, why not? Um, it was just more of a, it was a challenge to myself. It was something like, yeah, let's, let's, test, let's test what I can do here. Yeah. Um, rather than, I actually had no intention whatsoever of leaving um, my secondary school. I was happy, alhamdulillah, had mm-hmm. friends, it was going well, close to home and so on. So I took it on as a challenge. And then... So you'd, you'd um, already started secondary school at this yeah, point before... Yeah. Okay, yeah. so what, by what, uh, what year were you in at this point before making so, the transition? So the school, uh, a lot of these um, kind of boarding schools and public schools start in year nine. So, okay. and your conventional, obviously your comprehensive school um, starts in years, goes from seven to 13. Yeah. So I was obviously two years in, so it wasn't a natural um, transition period point. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you leave, leave your current school um, at the end of year eight. Um, and then I got in and I thought, oh God, um, what do I do now? And I, I still remember, you know, 13 year old, I remember some of my thought process. I was like, look, um, I'll give it a crack. If, if I hate it, what's the harm in coming back? It's, it will be a bit of, um, you know, you might lose face a bit. It might be a bit embarrassing that you had to go somewhere and then you came back. But essentially I thought that's the worst, isn't it? Um, if I absolutely hate it, I can come it's back. A, it's a very mature mindset to have at 13 years old. Yeah, it was, I know, it's, I don't know. It was just, um, I think, because I didn't really have a desire to leave the, the home. I, it wasn't yeah. kind of my plan A. It wasn't something I wanted to do. So I think I was trying to rationalise to myself. Like you could, you could uh, come back any time kind of thing. I could come yeah. back any time, yeah, I could come back sure, any time. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I was terribly homesick for three weeks. Uh, which I remember <laughs> distinctly, and my parents had a, a silver Volkswagen Golf at the time. And I would, whenever I would see a Volkswagen, a silver Volkswagen, I'd kind of long for that to be my parents. So oh, I still remember that three-week period, subhanAllah. Um, and then after that, the remaining four years and uh, 11 months, alhamdulillah, great experience. Alhamdulillah. So to clarify, this is actually Eton boarding school yeah. right like yeah, yeah, yeah. as in the the, the, the famous eating the notorious the, eating famous and notorious yeah yeah because um when i first heard that from you i was so shocked because i think and i think a lot of people <laughs> think this is that it's only for white people right or it's only for yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the the extremely wealthy or the extremely rich right yeah, yeah, and yeah. uh and and you don't have any my ethnic minorities there and it's very closed off and it produces people like David Cameron, Boris Johnson, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so how 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 does like Taha end up there? As in, you know, what you 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 being there? How how do you how do you even go through that environment? Because I mean, I I think maybe I'm thinking about it from a very stereotypical lens because I don't know anything about yeah. it. But yeah. surely, because yeah. you're in the inside, you could explain more. Were there more people like you there? Was yeah. it really as pretentious? as it seems on yeah. the outside yeah um so it's 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 not very diverse so the the vast majority of um boys that go there will have gone to a prep school so their their life up until that point is designed to get them into an elite boarding school right. um or some some day schools as well um and they yeah they're colloquially referred to as prep schools they prep you for getting into uh, Eton, Harrow, Winchester, these kind of big schools. Um, 
and so that's that's the majority um there 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 is some diversity in terms of ethnicities um from the uk there's there's a little bit of diversity in terms of some international um students some kids that come over and board in the uk um but broadly it is it's not too diverse in terms of um ethnicity and and background um one of the positive things that i always like to share um and I, i'm sure this is actually even improved at this point um that one third of the children at, at the time i was there so between 2004 and 2009 were on some form of financial assistance um, okay. so one third one third um so alhamdulillah that is was shocking to me and i think it'd be surprising to to anyone that that hears of it yeah it's very um, interesting so that's that's probably a, quite an important um and and it was for me surprising kind of statistic or fact that yeah a large proportion or a, a significant proportion were uh, supported financially to attend um and I, the intention of the school is to move towards the the kind of american model that the needs blind model where if you have the talent and the potential to go there you'll be able to be supported um i haven't checked in to to figure out where they are on that on that plan okay. but that's that's a very positive thing that that was present mashallah mashallah that's great and um comparing it so comparing it to 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 maybe somebody's usual kind of public yeah, school yeah. upbringing i mean like for example with myself i went to a very regular uh public secondary school um yeah, yeah, which yeah. was in london very diverse uh, i would say too diverse maybe <laughs> in the sense that <laughs> we had like one white friend right <laughs> and we could i could i could count on my hands how many like white kids were in our in our yeah, year yeah. group right it's mainly just asians and 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 yeah. blacks so um it was it, it, that and 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 we were you know part of a, a neighborhood where there's gangs around there yeah. is chicken shops there's you know the typical kind of London yeah, yeah. things you play football straight after school in the park um you you and your friends you know are very much engrossed in whatever's going on in the world on the internet yeah, etc yeah. so th- these are like your kind of experience but also at the same time right it's not like um not to put down my experience because i loved my experience there you know not to say it was it was all negative because i made the most amazing friends i had the yeah, uh, most amazing experiences and on top of that i was able to grow in my religion as well because i was yeah. always around uh, muslims yeah, and yeah. i was able to grow in my own confidence in terms of my identity because i'm around people that look like me as well um I, and so so there there, there is a i think a, there's both negative and positive to that experience yeah. as well but how do you think an experience like that which is probably something which is more common uh yeah. living in living in london or living in kind of major cities in the uk yeah um and I know you live in London now as well with your wife and kids yeah. so your kids yeah, yeah. may have I, I don't know what your plans Absolutely. are but they yeah, may have yeah. a similar experience as well. So yeah. I, what what do you notice to be the differences between the two and between your experience this experience you know what what would you say were the pros and cons between both of them? Yeah yeah yeah. Um so one of the interesting things before I kind of uh, give some thoughts is that alhamdulillah at, it, it's it's quite nice that at that young age between 13 to 18 it didn't actually matter as much as it matters as an adult in terms of discrimination so you wouldn't every single kid um to to my experience um was treated as an individual 
um, their their abilities, their talent. They were nurtured as being a, as someone with a huge amount of potential, regardless of background. Whereas we know the realities of discrimination in the workplace, in um, in sports, in the arts, and so on. Yeah. It's it's a completely different um, situation. Um, whereas uh, in that environment. It was, it was, to me, my observations, it, it was irrelevant where you came from and it was just on how, how you, you know, how you performed and your potential and how much you engaged with everything. So alhamdulillah, that was a major positive. So I don't feel that, um, that boys from um, a, not as wealthy a background or who were on financial assistance were disadvantaged in any way whatsoever. Um, okay. So alhamdulillah, that, that's excellent. Um, one of the... The key differences, I think, my view of uh, having lived that experience for five years is that there is this mindset that is um, developed amongst these very young, most of them incredibly intelligent boys, that you can go on to do whatever it is you want to do. Um, and obviously there's the educate, there's the academic side of the education. It's, uh, you know, fantastic teachers and the sports facilities and so on. Yeah. Um, we can, we can speak for hours on, on uh, lots of the, the kind of excellent things that they have. But if I was to draw out one or two of the top things. All right. Uh, after that technical difficulty, we're back and you were saying about yeah, the mindset yeah. that it, uh, yeah, it absolutely. gives you being in Eton. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. So I was saying that. You can talk about the academic rigor, the, the quality of the teachers. Um, you can talk about the sports facilities, the teamwork. There's, there's so many traits that are developed through so many of the, the characteristics of that school. Yeah. Um, but to draw out, I would say two of them to probably just to say these are, in my opinion, probably the most important for nurturing children, young leaders, um, are number one the most important in my view is that nurturing the mindset that you have the potential the ability the capability to do whatever it is you want to do and to make a difference yeah um and as we know um these boys go on to be prime ministers um very notable people in in, in major fields um, and they're not all, you know, public figures. They'll be, you know, in the private sector. They'll be scientists um, in film and movie as well. But it's worth reflecting on how how do so many of these kids go on to do excel really in in all of their fields? Yeah. Uh, and my view is that yeah, that the one of the most important traits that is inculcated and nurtured is that self belief, self confidence. Yeah. Um, and obviously we we will as muslims overlay and put as our foundation that it's only with the permission of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that people can achieve mm-hmm. um so so without a doubt we they perhaps may not have that um there's a handful of christians there so they might have it to some extent um but not many so it was it would be this belief that i would want i uh, us as young parents um to uh, to instill in our kids and, and yeah. it, you can extract that from the school without having to go to that type of a school um, mm. as the parent you're ultimately the first and the last you're the teacher for um, you're the role model for your kids um, so delivering to our children that they can 
they can be, they should be, they should strive for excellence in, um, in whatever it is they do. And of course, we will emphasize hugely that um, it's through reliance on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, that we achieve anything. Yeah. Um, so that I think is, is critical. Um, how much of an effect do you think uh, the environment that they're in, in terms of the kids that they're around and the other children in the school oh, yeah, yeah. will have an Absolutely. impact? Because as yeah, parents, yeah, yeah. yes, you're right, we're the first and the last, but there's only so much you can do in the middle. That's true. That's really true. Um, so that would probably, uh, that's actually reminded me of one of the other things that I would probably rank as third or fourth. There's no doubt about it that we know as um, Muslims, when you're around good practicing brothers and, and learned people, you, you benefit through osmosis effectively. Yeah. Um, similarly, if you're amongst um, highly you know very witty people, you'll become more witty. If you're amongst really intelligent people, you'll benefit from them. Um, so that's a bit more difficult to replicate. Mm -hmm. um, it may or not not it may be a bit harder, maybe a bit harder to replicate, because there you're in that that environment where they're really talented. They're really talented kids, um, and it's uh, it, through the application process, through the admissions, and through um, people who get pushed. You know, the the parents that push their kids towards it. There is obviously that a highly competitive environment of talented kids that bounce yeah. ideas off each other that that push each other mm -hmm. um, um yeah i think harder to replicate but we can we can do we can look for um societies in our um in our local councils in our local areas that there, there will inevitably be if we look for them debating societies okay um our school didn't participate in model United Nations, I think it was called, but there's, okay. there are obviously things like that. Um, so put, that putting them into really environments that, uh, that, that will try to um, keep them in touch with, with other children who are quite talented or who are quite yeah, interested so. in more academic or intellectual pursuits. And hopefully that rubs off, of, rubs off on so. them, even if they have maybe other friends who, um, not to say those friends are bad, but, but might not have... Uh, that type of talent or aspiration or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So high okay. aspirations, high aspirations, critical, I think. Um, and then the other one uh, that I will just mention briefly is um, the um, they expose boys to responsibility um, in a small way, in a grad, in so many different facets of yeah. of, of of life. So on a, on a very small and local level, in, in our boarding house, every day there was a rotor for responsibilities, for chores, yeah. for laying the table for breakfast, lunch and dinner, um, for doing a little talk after a dinner on any topic that would rotate nice. through, through the kids. So these, these were kind of more smaller aspects to uh, just handing over responsibility rather than basically babying kids until mm -hmm. they're 25 um, and then on the more significant scale of handing over responsibility there were student-run societies that we're all familiar with now at university yeah. and and beyond um, out in the workplace you'll have a um, um, a, a Pakistani society yeah, an sure. economic society there was a hummus society at LSU what? which was random <laughs> Um, so, so we're aware of that society culture at university and beyond. 
Um, and they're run, obviously, they're run by the student president um, or the chair and the committee. And you have 16, but generally be 17 year olds, they'll be in their either their final year or their penultimate year. But you have 17 year olds who are running almost in entirety um, a society um, whereby they invite speakers, they organize events, yeah. um, they can think outside the box, they can host an event that is designed by themselves, a debate. Um, so that, subhanAllah, that level of exposing kids to responsibility, um, I think is lacking um, yeah. Yeah. in most of society. Um, and we can do that. We can replicate that very mm -hmm. easily on a on a on a family level. Um, uh, I think I gave the example to to yourself um, in a, in a in a drive once that even at a young age, as we can say to our children, um, okay, we want to put you in charge of uh, making uh, coming up with the breakfast for yeah. the weekend yeah. for this Saturday, one of you, and the Sunday, the other one, um, and then just get them to brainstorm what do you want to make you know they're they're even a four-year-old knows what pancakes are what fried eggs are um uh, and so on so they'll say you know with this that and you help them obviously you support them and you might get the groceries together and you say you put them in the kitchen you're in charge and we're going to be your sous chefs today mm. um and you're going to give us the instructions just thinking about that and just yeah, on listening to this we can we can realize how that's going to develop a mindset that you know, we have the ability to take mm -hmm. control, um, leadership qualities, organizational skills. Um, and you do that, um, you can do that in so many different facets uh, of life. Um, we want to take a weekend away. What ideas, what can we do? Uh, yeah. Should we go to the beach, the forest? Um, and I think gradually extending responsibility to our kids okay. in a way that is um gradual that is kind of appropriate to their age and to their maturity mm. i think will work wonders and we kind of we look to the past we long um we long for the leaders who conquered who uh, led empires when they were uh, 20 that that was nurtured from birth they were exposed to multiple languages yeah. they were exposed to philosophers they were exposed to leadership and sports from the get-go yeah and um, so we hope for you know uh, to have leaders like that but we don't expose them and we don't um nurture them and train them in the same way from the same ages so it's not going <laughs> to result in the same the same type of leaders yeah yeah subhanallah subhanallah no it's, it's so true so true uh, that brings you to another point where you said before that when you're when you're a kid, right? There's yeah. there's not really much exposure to discrimination, racism. But when you get older, you see structural types of discrimination, whether in the workplace, whether policies put forward by the government, etc. But at the same time, the Islamic framework is that we we believe that anything is possible with the help of Allah, and we're trying to, as parents, whether Muslim or non-Muslim, trying to input into our children. Uh, that they, they can be leaders, that they can take control of their situation, and that they can go yeah. out and do things. So I don't, I don't expect you to have the answers, but maybe we can just discuss some of your ideas on how you yeah. would balance between the two, of giving your children yeah. that confidence, but then knowing when they face certain types of discrimination like that, how are they going to stand up against that? How are they going to get over the barrier? How are they going to be comfortable enough to not give up at that point? Yeah, yeah. It's a deep topic, a really deep topic. Um, 
I think on the on the first point, I think um, so. Less, for example, kids growing up, they may not even realize that discrimination um, exists until quite late on. So again, yeah. I don't want. We wouldn't send. Um, we don't. Want, we wouldn't send someone into an exam unprepared. We wouldn't send someone into a um, the Olympics untrained. So again, we need to gradually, I think, introduce some of the concepts at a very, very simplistic and basic level. Okay. Um, to to explain to our kids that um, this life isn't fair, <laughs> and that there are there are situations where you. Alhamdulillah, we've been blessed. We, you've got, um, uh, you can do these sports. You can do, for example, um, whereas others, they don't have access to a swimming pool. They can't, they, they've never had the opportunity to swim. So you gradually introduce these concepts that um, that everyone doesn't, people don't have equal opportunity. Right. Um, that can be through wealth. That can be through discrimination. So I think you you can really you try and simplify and boil down these concepts to something okay. that's quite easy to digest, and then you start them thinking from um, from from a younger age that so they won't be as surprised when they come to some of the harsh realities of life. Yeah. Um, with I think it's 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 a difficult balance. Um, there are fundamental. Um, issues in in society, in the workplace, um, uh, in government, and so on, that are disadvantageous to to people from ethnic certain ethnicities, to to women progressing in the workplace, and so on. I think as Muslims, we need to we absolutely need to have regard to um, the practical realities of matters. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand we we believe in the the one who facilitates the means so we can't get too we shouldn't put up mind blocks and think things are impossible mm -hmm. due to the practicalities of what we see because allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he puts those in place and he removes those as he wills and it's easy for him uh, it's it's so easy for him to to overcome okay. those things so i think we absolutely we need to have we have you have to have regard to what are the the practical you know what are the affairs in your community what are the physical challenges of, yeah. of your community or whatever endeavor you're involved in um but we we shouldn't forget that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can facilitate he can create openings where we think it impossible where yeah. in our limited uh, mind in our limited power we just don't think you just think this is impossible to yeah. get through and yeah. everyone has examples in their life where they they were seeking to achieve something even something small they wanted to um go for umrah and it was just you know it was just not happening it was not yeah. happening visas were not happening um all the practical efforts were exhausted nothing you just couldn't get through it's like a blockade yeah um but allah subhanahu wa ta'ala opened doors for people in, in in and everyone has those examples in their life of course of course um so i think it's as our religion is the most upright is the most balanced it's it's not a neglect of either of the, the practical visible realities that we see and the means yeah. um, but neither is it it shouldn't be a neglect of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can facilitate and create openings wherever he wishes yeah. and I think we if we fall to one of these extremes more so 
it's we put up our own mind blocks when it's this ah these practical barriers exist yeah. and we we neglect the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can facilitate things for us mm-hmm. uh, and overcome these and it's easy for him to do so so i think yeah having regard to both of those realities um yeah. is, is really important oh, that's that's i think that's so true and i've only really begun to reflect on that after having kids because um you kind of for a long time i just felt like uh, i know that allah is there and he can he can control everything uh, however here's all the issues that i face as a muslim as a yeah, yeah. you know as as whatever labels i want to put on myself to identify yeah, yeah. myself myself with to 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 maybe maybe i'm victimizing myself maybe i'm i'm making myself feel like i'm a victim but at the same time sure. um there are realities that that there are certain types of discrimination that muslims yeah. and ethnic minorities etc face so i would really take on that stuff and 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 i would tell myself like i would convince myself that um that doing something like i don't know eating right is is not for yeah. me right <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. for somebody else and it's only now that i've had kids and you realize that they come into this world so innocently that you mm. want to kind of take that innocence and turn it into inspiration for them sure and and, yeah. and allow them to kind of get through these different barriers and and not not allow these barriers to affect them mm. and so and then and then yeah. you begin reflecting for yourself as well then you're like well if that can happen for them surely it's just a change of mindset yeah, yeah. surely it's yeah, just yeah, a matter yeah. of putting in effort um yeah. and so it's it's like super important and imagine if this was kind of done on a large scale um you know you would have a lot more flourishing Uh, Muslims or so. people from uh, maybe disadvantaged communities, they'll be flourishing so. a lot more. Um, not to say that we ignore what the realities are. Like you said, you have absolutely, to know what they absolutely. are. You have to know how to practically tackle them as well. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, It's yeah, not absolutely. just have a positive mindset and you'll get through it. There has to be <laughs> yeah, some yeah. sort of practical yeah. efforts that are put in place. Yeah. And of course, there are organizations and efforts that are being done to, to, to do that. And we yeah. should be supporting that as well. Yeah. Um, but as a, as a parent... you have the responsibility within your own household maybe that's something that needs to be taken care of in terms of society wide but you yeah. you can start from your own household you can start from your own children and 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 you can start creating a change there inshallah yeah definitely definitely i see um so many brothers um and individuals from um that have so much potential so much talent um and i just think you know had you or inshallah they would they still have the opportunity to and the time to yeah. but had they had the the nurturing of the kind of the positive mindset these people can achieve so much they can yeah. become leaders in all of their fields i think there's a huge amount of talent um amongst our communities um whether that you know it's entrepreneurial flair there's actually really sharp academic flair Yeah. um creativity there's so much talent you speak to any brothers even in you know your local masjid you get talking to a brother um or your local restaurant you get talking to someone you you see you see people as having so much potential yeah and it, it does get a bit heartbreaking when you think there's untapped potential that's not being <laughs> realized um and i think a big part of it is 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 mindset alhamdulillah Okay, so I don't want to take too much more of your time because I know you need to leave very soon. So just last thing that I wanted to touch upon, uh, like you mentioned, you grew up in Wales, in, in South Wales, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. yeah, that's right. But now you live in London and you clearly yeah. have a very much London accent and not a, oh, yeah. not a Welsh yeah, yeah. accent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, number one, what made you decide to 
live in London and yeah. um, have your kids in London, etc. Um, yeah. Was it financial? Was it because of work? Was it uh, for opportunities? And then yeah. also, as a man and as a father, you're obviously providing for your household and you're taking yeah. care of their needs. So um, how what impact has that had in terms of making a move from one country to another uh, on your on your kind of ability to provide as a father? Yeah, yeah. Um, so on the first, um, why the move to London? Um, uh, I, w- I did have a bit of a fascination with the, the big city from a young age. Okay. Um, and um, from school on some weekends, we'd pop down to London and I, I'd just be fascinated with it. I'd never, we'd come with our parents maybe once a year um, so I did have this kind of intrigue and interest with with London. Um, it was very, it was it was quite. So there was that kind of interest side of it and desire to live in the big city. Um, and then there was the more boring side of um, uh, very good universities in London um, and work uh, opportunities being kind of um, more prevalent. I've never researched it. I'm, I'm sure there's opportunities in 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 loads of cities and so on. Yeah. Um, but just the obvious kind of the the default option is if you want to be in uh, the legal profession, financial services, you, you just tend to be in London. Um, as for the impact on family, I'll, I'll I'll answer a slightly different question because when I moved, when I was I've been here since university, so it wasn't really a shift during the family life. Our sure. family life got established in London. Um, but the question, or, or to share some thoughts, I have to say one of the absolute biggest challenges of of dadhood is balancing balancing all your responsibilities it's it's it it shouldn't be it should be acknowledged head on mm-hmm. uh, i think it's worth acknowledging it head on that yeah. um you may be working five days a week um even maybe perhaps evenings weekends um you may have your you have your own aspirations for your own knowledge and development um, you have to give time to your, uh, you want to, and you need to give time to your spouse. You've got children to look after, to nurture. Um, you may have community projects that you're involved in. You may have wider family members that you're looking after, or you need to keep contact with. So this becomes, even speaking about it, it can, it, it can be quite overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. Um, exercise the rights that you have on yourself of staying fit and healthy. So, sleep. <laughs> yeah, sleep. So this, I have to say, is probably um, when you see people on on podcasts, on on shows, they they seem very relaxed. They've got everything together. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the reality is that balancing is one of the tricky the things I find so tricky. Mm. it's so difficult you've got like limited time and, and you're trying to balance everything and you you know it's a challenge no doubt about it it's a challenge yeah um that we all have to manage um I think one of the things that I try and uh, remind myself of is ha- having small incremental having a small portion of something every day or every week yeah is going to build up quite quickly so okay. you know before you, if you're single you might you might do exercise five times a week you do football yeah. three times and so on if you when you become married you, that comes down to two or three times a week with the kids maybe two times a week but those don't go from like hero to zero yeah, um, yeah, yeah. doing having a portion of something um having a portion of your arabic or whatever you, your your ambitions are yeah 
just realize that you can't operate at the same pace that mm. you you could when you don't have those commitments it's just uh, very it's very logical yeah. um but keep having your portion um okay. of all those responsibilities and inshallah that will those bricks will grow and grow and grow and you still achieve like great things in in all of those those fields um and ask for barakah ask for barakah in your time um whether whether a religious person or, or a non-religious person they will testify that not every unit of time has the same output not every uh, unit of food has the same uh, effect yeah. and, and that's religious people that's people that don't believe in god they'll say you know wow this late this day is dragging on or i've had yeah. so much productivity today we know as muslims that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he puts it's a miracle it's, it's a miracle to be honest he puts blessings and um tawfiq and and just produces results for you so i think this is a probably a gem it's probably a gem to ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for barakah in our sleep um in our efforts in our uh, in all our commitments and and inshallah allah will facilitate great things even with all those uh, uh balanced commitments and challenges inshallah inshallah i think on that note We'll end it there. I think that was beautifully summed up. Zakhir for coming, Taha. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed yourself as well. Barakallah Thanks for having me. Um, I've really enjoyed uh, the Dadhood podcast and I'm looking forward to some of the, the fresh videos as well. Inshallah. Look at that. You're the first, first uh, guest on the podcast. So inshallah, you get the reward of everyone else who comes. Inshallah. You're setting the trend. You're setting the trend. <laughs> inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.